Hi, and welcome to the 12th House Podcast, where we make the unseen scene. I'm Michelle Palazon, the head witch in charge at Holisticism, and it's 2021. We made it. We did it. We're here. Thank God. And with 2021 and January 1st comes all the new year, new you bullshit. And in good old 12th house fashion, we're going to pull the curtain back on that because you kind of already know it's fucked up, right? Like you kind of know that all the diet culture and the association with thinness as health and losing weight as a method or I don't know, vehicle for well-being, you know, that's like nonsense, right? We can be healthy at every size. And thinness does not equate to healthy or wellness. It's just not true. And being thin won't necessarily make you happy. In fact, it probably won't because you'll be hungry. No, I'm just kidding. But really, so we wanted to talk about that. We don't talk a lot about body stuff at Holisticism. We don't talk about yoga. We don't talk about exercise or fitness. We don't even really talk about nutrition, which is a bit weird because I'm a certified nutritionist. I used to be a celebrity trainer and I was a professional dancer. So I kind of know a lot about this stuff. But to me, this world has always felt so fraught and so much of my own disordered eating and disordered relationship to my body really like was why I was interested in these topics because I wanted to fix myself or find like the perfect formula for finally looking the way that I wanted to look. And eventually I fell down the rabbit hole of just loving these modalities, like moving my body and studying nutrition. But I think that I've shied away from talking about these things at holisticism in an attempt to not have these sticky conversations around thinness and weight loss and wellness because they feel really privileged and myopic and icky to me a lot of the time. And I'm so glad that today I'm talking to Helen Phelan from Helen Phelan Studios. Helen is a fitness instructor who talks and teaches around body neutrality. And she navigates this space in such a beautiful way that I never could. (laughs) And I'm so grateful for her insight and her wisdom and everything that she has to share with us. And the intention of having her on and talking about this at this time of year is to sort of hedge against all the media and all the information that's going to be telling you that in order to be well, you need to lose weight. You need to go on a detox. You need to go on a diet. You need to go cleanse. You need to do a 30-day workout challenge or a 500 jumping jacks a day challenge, or you need to go sign up for a marathon or whatever it is, which at the end of it is all maybe rooted in trying to change our body to look a certain way because we think if we look a certain way, we'll be happier or it will boost our self-esteem. And that's not necessarily always true. And that's really toxic. And diet culture in and of itself is patriarchal. It holds tenets of white supremacy and it's subjectively not dope. (laughs) So we don't want to perpetuate diet culture. And it's really hard when you have grown up inside of diet culture to step outside of it and to see how messed up it is and to see the many, many insidious ways that it's woven into your life from the way that we talk about ourselves and our bodies to the way that we organize our meals to the way that we shop for clothes. It's everywhere. 
And while this is not by any stretch of the imagination an all-encompassing conversation around body neutrality, we do talk about what it is like to navigate fitness and wellness with these ideas in mind. And I'm so grateful for Helen, for her just willingness to share her own journey and her own struggles with sometimes having a negative body image and what she does on those days. And I'm giving anyone out there who is particularly in the throes of maybe that experience a really big hug because I think I can probably relate to many of you out there. And it's tough, (laughs) but I do know that it gets better. And I think with that, I'm going to pass it over to my conversation with Helen Phelan about body neutrality. Hi, Helen. Are you a Virgo? Virgo moon, yes. (laughs) I love that about you. I love Virgos. I mean, Ethan's a Virgo. I appreciate that. Like, I just love that. And you really are a Virgo queen. I will give you that right now. That's a nice way of saying obsessive. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are such a... Okay. I feel like we've known each other for a really long time. AKA I've been stalking you for a really long time. So it feels like that. This is actually the first time we've seen each other like face to face. Okay. That's not true. That's not true. We had an Akashic Records reading, so we've definitely oh, seen each other true. face that's to true. face. Wow. But that feels like 10 years ago. Truly. Yes, you're right, right. You're right. But we have a mutual friend, Kara, who we've both known forever, and we both mm-hmm. were dancers in New York. I guess we're still dancers. We're just not in New York. And yeah. so we've been like orbiting the same circles for a while. And then our paths like smashed into each other this year. And it's been such a delight to get to know you and to see your work ethic and just like who you are as a person, but also the work that you do, because I think it's so revolutionary in the wellness and fitness space to have the take that you have, which is how would you describe your philosophy on fitness and well-being? I think the most succinct way to put it is that our health is about so much more than what we look like and popular fitness and wellness marketing has really gotten us away from that so that we, you know, and there are of course, you know, the idea that like when you feel your best, you'll look your best. That's totally true, but it's gotten so conflated that beauty is, is health and health is beauty that we've gotten really distracted from how we feel and why we're doing some of the wellness things that we're doing. Mm. So my approach to fitness is to bring that focus a little bit more internal back to the start and prioritize what health actually should be about, which is a, for lack of a a better word, a more holistic approach. Yeah, totally. And you've got an online studio where you're teaching people Pilates-based movement in classes and they're incredible because you're an amazing teacher. So is this time of year like really stressful for you? And does it make you want to pull your hair out? Because so much of the messaging that we get from the world is oh, now you can be like a better, thinner, Uh, cleaner eating version of yourself. This is your chance to be the person you deserve to be. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I love goal setting. I love intention setting. I'm, I do that, you know, like the Virgo that I am. I was going to say Virgo, Virgo (laughs) (laughs) I do it a lot. So I'm not, I'm not against resolutions. I am against like this, like all or nothing, like you're going to start being a good person on January 1st and that like moral value that we've attached to wellness as well, or to being healthy or AKA being thin and white and, Mm -hmm. you know, drinking a lot of green juice, which Mm -hmm. is what health has somehow turned into. So I can appreciate like the attempt behind New Year's resolution setting 
and I'm into it, but I just think there's this very specific way that we should approach it that doesn't make it toxic. Yeah. And I think like in theory, that's right. And it's so hard in real life because I'll I'll just speak from the eye as a woman who had disordered eating practices for the majority of her life that weren't even like, quote unquote, that bad, but we're bad. Like it's so difficult, I think, for anyone who's struggled with body image or who's struggled with weight or whatever it might be to find a happy medium between like a healthy goal with a goal that feels good for them versus that obsessive mindset that we can get into often when we have a disordered practice around either movement or eating or something else that when it comes to our bodies. So like, how do you do it? Yeah, that's a good question. I <laughs> that's think- a million dollar question right there. <laughs> I think that when we we think about the why, and I come back to this a lot in my teaching too, like what's the why behind even your motivation to want to work out? Mm. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with wanting to lose weight. I get that. I'm also a human woman in this world who feels the pressure of the beauty standard and all of that. But I think that lives on one hand, but also we need to be aware that a lot of that is unattainable and unreachable and feeling like we have to bend to that pressure isn't actually going to make us feel healthier. So is your why behind wanting to quote, get healthy because you think that there's something wrong with you that you need to fix? And Mm -hmm. is that, you know, like shame that needs to be addressed in a different way? Like, I think that movement can be super healing, but punishing yourself with exercise to the point that your body changes to look a certain way is not actually self-care. It's not actually Mm -hmm. nurturing yourself and it's not going to get you to that point of self-love. If you think about it instead of a way as like, okay, this is my me time. This is how I manage my stress. This is how I manage my anxiety. This is how I am able to carry my 20 pound bag without feeling like my posture is all messed up or Mm. hold your baby, whatever your life entails. Have sex for more than 20 minutes without getting winded. Exactly. Or, you know, not have painful sex because your pelvic floor is jacked up. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's real right there. And people don't talk about that. Your, I don't know, uterus, vagina, all that stuff is muscle. There's muscle in there and we don't Uh address it and think about it. And so many women have painful sex and they just, it never gets solved for them. Yeah. I actually should connect you to my pelvic floor physical therapist because you'd be so, so into her. I could talk about (laughs) painful sex for days and- So yeah, like know, just like normal con- conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but also like the the a big reason that that happens for a lot of women is the fact that we're we're just like trying to push so much exercise and so much high intensity mm-hmm. stuff on our bodies when you know that's not necessarily how our bodies want to move all the time. I love a good ass kicking, you know, every now and then too, but it's just, you know, not always tenable for every single body every single day and not listening to what's going on to your body in that moment, eventually your body is going to make its rebellion known and come mm. at you with pain and force you to listen. So if we can get ahead of it and listen in the first place, then it saves us a whole lot of trouble. It's so true. Our bodies are constantly giving us signs and signals and we are very good at ignoring all those signs and signals (laughs) from having poor sleep to maybe like having a breakout to missing your period to like having brain fog or anxiety or not feeling good. We don't think of them as signs. And I think we get so disconnected from our bodies also when we are trying to push like either a trend diet or a trend workout regimen or something that we feel like is going to be the magic bullet if we just try harder. 
If we just like give 100%, we'll see the changes that we want to see. But in the meantime, we're ignoring all of our knowledge and innate wisdom that's already inside of our bodies. For you, as someone who I know you're so passionate about this conversation around body neutrality, I know because you've struggled with body stuff. Did you notice a difference in your intuition when you started focusing on body neutrality? Definitely. I mean, this also coincided with me doing a lot of somatic experiencing therapy and, you know, just being in recovery for my eating disorder. So that also had to happen before I could, you know, start sharing that with other people because there was definitely a point in my teaching career, definitely as in my life as a dancer, where I was very much like, I'm just trying to get sculpted. I'm just trying to shrink myself as much as possible. So long lean lines. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about that. So that I can, you know, get cast in this thing or so that people will take my class. And it was very much like a seeking a lot of external validation all the time. Mm. But then I started at first sharing about, you know, struggles that I had had with disordered eating. And I very much felt not alone in that. And as a dancer, it's, it's just kind of part of the ugly underbelly of the dance world. It's in hiding in plain sight almost everywhere. Yeah, sadly. It's very, very, very normal. It's more normal to have an eating disorder than to not have an eating disorder. Yes. So I think I got kind of got out of touch with, you know, what reality was in that sense. Mm. But I also, despite, you know, having the control and body awareness of a professional dancer was super disconnected from my body. It was actually numb from like neck to hips, like could not Whoa. connect into my center at all. I started having really painful sex and, you know, that mm. was- one of those moments where my body was like, well, something's going on. <laughs> You're like, this cannot stand. <laughs> like everything else I can deal with, but this, absolutely not. Like we are solving this fucking problem. Yes, totally. <laughs> so I do think that the other part of this whole conversation is that people, I think, assume that I'm saying like, oh, just love your body and you'll love it and you'll wake up one day and you'll be able to listen and it's all, you know, self-love and butterflies, but it's a non-linear thing. You know, I'm not like I'm showing up, you know, on stage with like no makeup, never going shopping again. Like I still very much buy into the consumerism of trying to make myself a beautiful woman. So I feel Mm. that deeply, but I think that Mm. it's important to also know that there's stuff underneath that you have to address if you're actually ever going to want to truly feel beautiful, whatever that means for you. If that's a bigger butt or losing weight, those things can be nice, but it's not actually what gets us to the feeling of self-acceptance. I feel like I just went on a tangent. What were we talking about again? It was great. I loved it. (laughs) I was with you every second of the way. And like, (laughs) I think about fitness so much as the gateway to the wellness space for so many people. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I've always kind of viewed it as we want to change what's on the outside. And then we start doing some things like going to classes or running or yoga. And we're like, wow, I feel amazing. This is so cool. I wonder what would happen if I stopped eating Hot Pockets and McDonald's like three times a week and maybe like had a salad. And then you start changing your diet and you're like, this is incredible. (laughs) And then you're like, wait, I'm still sad. (laughs) Like, why am I still sad? There's something more here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when we get into more of the mental health stuff. And then usually that leads down the path of spirituality at some point or creating some sort of spiritual, emotional, physical connection. And I think that a lot of people get stuck at that fitness spot looking for it to make them happy, right? When I have my perfect body, when I feel 
great naked, when X, Y, Z thing, when I lose those last three pounds, which is what my mom always used to say, forever and ever and ever, I'll be happy. And we're just chasing this thing that is not a destination, right? And it's the same thing with every other thing, right? Whether it's like money, oh, a certain paycheck or a certain salary number, you think you're going to be happy. And, And we know that those like milestones or checkpoints are empty and yet we continue to try and make them the thing that's going to like, I don't know, bring purpose to our lives. So do you ever just get exhausted with the, like with trying to explain this to people? (laughs) Yeah. Also because it's, it's not super black and white. Like I said, there's some, some nuance to it. Like I don't claim to be so healed in that respect that I don't care about how I look. I very much still do. I just talk about this so much because I know that it helps other people to feel like they're not the only ones feeling those feelings all the time. And honestly, it it holds me accountable when I talk to my clients and, and my students about, you know, being more gentle with yourself, being more compassionate with yourself. That I think was actually the biggest part of my own recovery because I was transitioning into like full-time teaching around the same time that I started going back to therapy. I realized how fucked up it was to regurgitate the same stuff that I had been fed and knowing what it felt like to be grabbed and pinched in class and adjusted Mm. and how that could make or break my day. A nod from a teacher or a a grimace from a teacher. Like, Mm -hmm. again, that external validation was everything. So Mm -hmm. I felt really icky being like, okay, let's burn off blah, blah, blah in this this exercise. So I stopped doing it. And the more that I played with changing up my cueing and getting more comfortable just talking about this topic in general with with clients, the, the more it started showing up in my own life of being able to, you know, maybe not body check in the mirror as many times a day or pick myself apart in the way that we just get so used to. I love that. I kind of argue with my partner Ethan sometimes because he's he's a love extremist so he has this philosophy on life around love and one of his philosophies is that you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else and while I think that's partially true I don't think it's 100% true I think that sometimes loving other people is a pathway to loving yourself and because everyone is a mirror for you (laughs) (laughs) it's a that's tweetable that's tweetable (laughs) and like Yeah. Having compassion for like we have so I have I'll speak from the eye. I have so little compassion for myself sometimes. And I have so much compassion for other people and empathy for other people who I love and care about and who I see. And sometimes like that's the medicine is giving someone else advice and then being like, well, fuck, I should be taking that advice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it really just forced me to just be more honest with myself, especially because like we said, it's so normalized in the world that we were brought up in for any person. It's it's not even gendered. We feel pressure to look a certain way, but because it was so kind of like a rite of passage in the dance world, I just kind of lost sight of it not being just the baseline that everyone is supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. So it, it allows yeah. you to step out of that. And I would say it's very similar in the world of boutique fitness as well. Like, well, mostly be- because, uh, not mostly, but I would say a lot of dancers, a lot of actors, a lot of people who are performers who it's in some ways 
your job is contingent on the way that you look, uh-huh. move into the fitness space because they have amazing presence and they love being around people and they love performing. And like usually they have some body awareness because we have to learn that stuff as dancers or performers. So that kind of comes over. Like body stuff is so much more, it's just like out on the table as opposed to I think for people who are non-dancers, although I wouldn't know that experience, but I would guess it's much more unconscious mm-hmm. in like the imagery that we see in the media or even Instagram filters and plastic surgery and all the stuff that exists out there. I think Instagram has actually made it so much worse. Like, how do you navigate that as a fitness instructor when these there's all these people on there showing their ab shots, like constantly? It's frustrating, but I also recognize that like I still very much have thin privilege. So I'm, I try to be mm. just aware of that when I, I post stuff, of course, you know, I, when I'm working out, I do wear a bra and leggings, so I'm not going to misrepresent myself and, and not ever show myself the way that I actually mm-hmm. am online. But I do think it's just important to be aware of that and have that inform the way that you're talking about movement, because mm. not everybody's body is going to respond to a movement the way that your body responds to a movement. So to make that claim, to say that your method gives you long lean lines full stop, (laughs) no matter what. It just doesn't make any scientific sense, one. And it causes a lot of shame in a person who who might be, you know, starting New Year's Day, obsessively doing that workout and then feeling like there's something wrong with them because that's not happening. And that's the exact opposite of what I want people to feel from my classes Mm. because, you know, not that we've been going to boutique fitness for the, the last year essentially, but you know, sometimes they're like $40 classes. The last thing I want to do when I show up to a class, I've spent a good chunk of money on it is to then feel like shit. Like I, it should make mm-hmm. me feel amazing. Like, I think there's also a line where there's only so much we can expect out of our practitioners and we, we can't expect them to fully know our entire lived experience, but there mm-hmm. is a baseline of just being like a nice fucking human being where you don't shame people. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And I would just push back that there are a shit ton of people who want to feel bad. There are people who like maybe you're listening to this and you're like, no, I want to feel like I need to be motivated by shame. And I don't know if that's like, I don't want to say wrong or right, but I would wonder like what is underneath that? Like why is Mm. that shame or external validation or lack thereof the biggest motivator? And is there a way to maybe like, I don't know unsubscribe from that? Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause I definitely feel like I was very much in that camp just a few years ago. And that's, mm. that's kind of why I got in, not why I got into fitness. I got into fitness, like you said, for so many reasons, it's a natural transition for a performer. I love moving my body. It's the lens through which I see the world. I started yeah. dancing when I was three. So that, it's your first language. Truly. Yeah. But it's also my comfort zone was punishment. Like so much. Now I just got chills because (laughs) damn, that hits. That hits. (laughs) I feel like sometimes I'm like, if I could only have had the consistent dance training I had when I was 20, now that I'm Mm -hmm. almost 30, and be able to like have that lived experience and form my artistry then would be so different because I was just so intent on tricks. (laughs) making my body look a certain way, impressing whoever the casting person was. It wasn't actually, I would just be such a better dancer now. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that all the time. And also like just the privilege of being able to go to art school and study dance with like incredible teachers and artists and movers. 
I think literally saved my life. I started having seizures when I was 17, when I was like at the, you know, the depths of, or the highs maybe of like being a professional ballet dancer. And I think that a lot of that had to do with my body being like, this is a hard no from us. Uh (laughs) And if you keep doing this, you are going to die. So I just like didn't listen and went on medication. But a huge part of, I think, working through those seizures was like doing somatic work and forgiving my body and feeling the pain that was in my body and not just ignoring it and not putting myself into situations and relationships that punished me and that forced me to try and prove myself every day and how good I was. And instead just knowing that like I have innate value and I'm innately good. But God, I wish I learned that 25 years ago. Well, that's actually another weird thing that we have in common. I think we've talked about this before. I also have epilepsy and (laughs) epilepsy club. I have talked about this with my therapist so many times because I had absence seizures. I never had like a grand mal fall on the ground. Those are freaky. Yeah. Like I would be (laughs) just, you and I could be just having conversation and I would still look like I was there, but I would just be Uh totally unconscious. It's like a brownout. It's not cool. Yeah. (laughs) It happened on stage a few times. It happened in a pool once when I was (gasps) elementary school in a swim competition. Yeah. Obviously there's, you know, the, the genetic and environmental components to that. But what my therapist and I kind of have a theory about is that I was actually disassociating from my body because Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. intense trauma. And Mm -hmm. the more that I've leaned into that somatic work and letting myself be in my body. I also am still on medication, but I used to have seizures on the medication. So it's it's definitely related. I'm not like saying everyone go off their medicine, but there's... No, definitely don't do that. (laughs) There's the, you know, everything is connected, which is another reason, like when we talk about mental and physical health, like there's just no separating them. You can't hate your body into loving it. You can't love your body only when it looks a certain way or be okay Mm -hmm. with your body only when it looks a certain way because and this is not my quote, it's just one that I really like. Losing weight to heal body image is like smiling to cure depression. It's just Mm. totally not the point. And it might look like, okay, I should be, if I fit the societal beauty standard now, I should be okay with my body. But like I said earlier, usually that's, that's not what happens. And you have to get comfortable being in your body and being in that sometimes uncomfortable place of having a bad body image day. They don't, just go away once mm. you start to accept it, but allowing yourself to be a, a human being who has highs and lows and in-betweens makes it much more manageable. 100%. Okay. So I'm obsessed with TikTok. You know this about me, right? I am also obsessed with TikTok. So. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, cool. Great. I'm glad we could level. So I was watching TikTok as one is one to do. And I saw this awesome video of a woman who was like, you can't feel fat. Like (laughs) feeling fat is not a thing. You can't feel fat. Like Mm -hmm. you either are fat or you aren't. Like it's not a thing that you feel. Mm -hmm. You can feel uncomfortable. You can feel bloated. You can feel like like you don't like your body, but you can't feel fat. I was like, oh my God, that just broke my brain. And I wish that I'd known that a million years ago. Also, it's super offensive to say I feel fat, especially if you're someone who has thin privilege because you're making fatness bad. Like you are mm-hmm. qualifying it as a negative when it is not, it is a neutral thing. And that broke my brain, as I said, but how do you solve? Cause that's all this is, right. Is like an active practice of like 
feeling a thing, waking up feeling a thing, not fighting the thing that you're feeling and trying to solve for it or trying to like find a, I don't know, a pathway through it or around it for yourself that works in that moment. So when you wake up and you have those days where you in the past may have said, I feel fat, but instead you're like, Ooh, I don't feel as good as I could possibly feel in my body. Like how do you solve for that, Helen? So a few different ways. One of them is taking like the adjective out of it instead of saying like, I, you know, like my, my skin is bad because of this pimple or whatever. Like I just, I have skin. I have a face and then <laughs> I know that sounds really simple, but then, I love that. I have body. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have hair. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Taking it a little bit further. I know it's cheesy, but I really like affirmations and not in like mm-hmm. a toxic positivity way. And like, just trying to like gaslight yourself out of feeling that negative thing. Instead choosing something that maybe you are a little bit more comfortable and confident about and leaning into that but also finding things that are not just purely aesthetically based to kind of balance out that duality of feeling, you know, these things I feel bad about, these things I feel good about, and Mm -hmm. kind of trying to restructure those neural pathways in that way. So like, oh, I have one bad thought of I look like this in the mirror. Can I give myself a bunch of other thoughts to kind of like cheerlead myself as (laughs) cheesy as it might sound, but it works when you do it over time. As long as you're not like, okay, I don't feel bad about myself anymore because then (laughs) it just doesn't work that way. You can't lie to Toxic positivity ain't it. But it's like crowding out. Like (laughs) when you, on your plate, you put a bunch of green things instead of, I don't know, a bunch of sugar, piles of sugar. It's like I'm crowding out that those things that maybe aren't so good for me by adding lots of things that are. Well, my friend Shauna, who Shauna Spence on Instagram, she's the, the, at the nutrition tea. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist. And her motto is, is what can you add in? Not what can you take out? So that like all foods fit into, you know, a life well lived. It doesn't mean like health at every size and intuitive eating don't mean we only eat chocolate all day. It means we can have chocolate and we listen to our bodies and we know that there will always be more so we don't feel that scarcity and we have to mm. cram it all in. And how can I also continue to nourish myself while still enjoying food? And mm-hmm. I've kind of taken that same mindset into exercise and like, okay, the fact is exercise is hard. It's not always going to be <laughs> enjoyable. Even if you're someone mm-hmm. who, who just naturally feels good moving their body. I also like don't love holding a plank for like a bajillion hours. It hurts my body too, but it's, (laughs) I enjoy the, the process of skill building and, you know, the attention to detail and all of that. But what feels good to me is, you know, how I notice my body feels different after how my mood is affected, how my sleep is affected, how my Mm -hmm. sex drive is affected, all of those things, being able to pay attention to that. So Mm. people ask me all the time, like, Oh, how do you find motivation? If you're saying intuitive exercise the same way you're saying, okay, like how do I even know what to eat with intuitive eating is essentially the unsexy answer is trial and error and (laughs) playing around with it. You won't know (laughs) until you experiment with different things, finding a modality that you love. Maybe you don't like Pilates. I love Pilates, but maybe (laughs) you really, you really do love cycling or running or whatever it is. You have to find something that like baseline, you don't want to kill yourself while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even because there are going to be moments where it's really hard. Even if it's your favorite thing in the world to do, you're not going to want to do it anymore when it's hard. So we find that. Especially if you're at home, like so many of us are, and there's no one 
holding you accountable or mm-hmm. maybe if you use money as something that holds you accountable, you're not paying for that $40 class anymore. You're doing a YouTube workout or something that's a little less expensive. Yeah. Like what's going to keep you from hitting the pause button and walking away and doing other things? Yeah. So playing around with what the act is itself, but also coming back to what we said earlier, like finding that why. And it's also always, always gray. You might come onto the mat thinking, I'm feeling really bad about what I ate yesterday. But you can stop Mm -hmm. yourself and say, that's true. But what's also true is I know that, you know, maybe I'm feeling a little sluggish as a result, or I'm feeling tired as a result. And moving my body is going to give me the endorphin boost that I need right now. It's going to help improve my sense of self-efficacy because I'm, even if you're a beginner, you're, you're proving to yourself that you're showing up, that you're accountable and that's sending little messages to your brain Mm -hmm. that you can do the hard things and, that's really what helps build your body image and heal body image through exercise. It's not that you're editing your body to fit what others are telling you is beautiful. It's that you're changing your relationship with your body into feeling Mm. like it's something that you're proud of. Yeah. Oh man. I just like love everything that you said. And I want, (laughs) I, I, I hope that people like rewind and listen to this because over and over again, because this is such a challenge for so many people. And I think about all the time wasted where thoughts are on shame around food or what you did yesterday or what you didn't do yesterday and how you look and blah, 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 and how much we can make and create. Do you ever think about like how much time you spent in your 20s and your teens, like just thinking about calories and how many amazing businesses or incredible, I don't know, pieces of choreography you could have made? I think about that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, especially because in hindsight, like sometimes it feels like in a moment when I'm having maybe like a bad body image day or, or a thought pops in and I'm like, okay, like I really haven't made any progress at all. But then I think like flashback to me having like a full-blown hyperventilating panic attack in the produce section of Whole Foods because <sighs> I'm calculating macros and just like, I was never good at math, but I could tell you <laughs> any nutrition fact. <laughs> Oh, I bet. Yeah. You're like, "Mm, my fitness pal? Oh, yeah. I got that unlocked. Uh, My brain was my fitness pal. Yeah. It it took up so much space in my brain. So it's also nice to just, especially if you're you're maybe going through that right now, it does not have to be like that, even if it feels like there's no possible way. I used to like- It gets better. I used to want to punch people in the face who were like, oh, yeah, like I don't feel guilty about food. Like- which was like rare. I don't have that many friends who don't have any issues. Right. It's It's usually like a dude that you're on a date with. Who's just like, yeah, let's get all the cheese and all the bread. Well, it's funny you say that because I do think that my relationship with my partner had a super pivotal role in that as well. Cause we were moving in together right as I was going back to therapy and he's French. So there's also like that cultural approach that he has like intuitive eating is just eating to him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So it's also like, you know, not to be generalizing or stereotypical, but this is a good stereotype. Like it's very pleasure focused, sensory focused approach to life. So I definitely, Mm -hmm. I think on some level attracted that in, as I was going through this healing because I needed that to be rubbing off on me. And (laughs) you're like, I want that life. I want what you have. Yes. It was a good mirror to show me like, okay, the things that I'm doing are not normal just because they're common doesn't mean it's it's normal. And that's not mm-hmm. something to shame yourself about. It's just something to be your wake-up call. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think that he always laughs because I bring this up, I think on like every podcast that I do, he's like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, take credit for your own stuff. But I do think that it had had a big influence. Yeah, it does. When you're with another person who you love and who like you admire, and then you notice that it's the same thing about someone being your mirror and, and being able to love them. And like, it helps you love yourself. That's it. Oh, God, (laughs) Helen, I feel like we could talk about this forever. But (laughs) from your perspective, when it comes to like any of this work, what is the most important thing for someone to keep in mind around building their intuition and trusting themselves? I think the most important thing to let go of is that all or nothing like either hundred percent or, or nothing mentality because so often we're like, well, you know, I'll just start working out next week. And then next week never happens because you mm. have, first of all, you resent exercise because it's always been a negative experience where you're beating yourself up both physically mm. and mentally the entire time. Um, yeah. so it's not something you're going to look forward to, but you're also mm. like, oh, well I did this today, I ate this today. So, you know, today was a crapshoot. Like I'm going to I can't Mm -hmm. salvage today. Like there's no, basically what I'm trying to say is like, we can't connect moral value or goodness to our health because Mm -hmm. not only is, is health a different definition for all of us, but it's just, it's crazy. You don't, you don't say someone with epilepsy is a bad person. Why would you say (laughs) someone who has celiac is a bad person? Like, it's just not right. They didn't earn that distinction. They didn't earn it from being bad and it doesn't make them bad for having it. And it's just so much easier to, but you know, if our ultimate goal is to eat in a way that fuels us both with joy and with, you know, nutrient dense ingredients and to move our bodies so that we can live a long and healthy life. If those are the goals to feel good in our body, then yeah, you can just do it tomorrow. Like it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't have to be ruined. And it can be five minutes. Like it can be, to your point, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I'm obsessed with cognitive distortions. Mm -hmm. Cognitive distortions and mental models, I'm obsessed with. It is unhealthy. But (laughs) the two cognitive distortions that I thought of when you were talking are obviously like either or black and white thinking, which is all or nothing. I'm either the best person in the world because I ran a mile or I am the, I'm a piece of shit because I didn't wake up and do my workout today. And there's no way to resolve this or to save this day, blah, 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 which like we've lived in a binary structure for so long. And there are so many binaries within society, but we're finally understanding and realizing that we live in a non-binary, actually a non-binary world. So either our thinking doesn't really work for us. And also heaven's reward fallacy. If I'm good, good things will happen to me. If I'm bad, bad things will happen to me. If bad things happen to me, it's because I was bad. If good things happen to me, it's because I was good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's completely untrue. Like, I don't know, Helen, I don't think we're, we're that we're bad. I don't think that we have epilepsy because we did something bad and we're like repenting for our sins or that we had to learn some lesson. My partner has brain cancer. He wasn't like a bad person. <laughs> He's actually the best person on the planet. He didn't earn his brain cancer. And Lots of terrible people who do terrible things have wonderful things happen to them. So these cognitive distortions, kind of similarly to what you were talking about when it comes to the way that we perceive our relationship to food and to obviously diet and our bodies, are things that are just part of our life perspective and our, our worldview that we never realized could potentially be inaccurate or 
not be normal, not be a healthy version Mm -hmm. of how we perceive the world or the healthiest, I guess. I don't want to like make it wrong, but just like distortions for a reason. Yeah. Like what's going to actually be the best for you. And Mm -hmm. that's how binary everything is. It's so hard to not give that a label. And so (laughs) it's less good. (laughs) (laughs) It takes us right back to like, it's not like a pathway that you arrive at a set end destination. It's, it's just, I think what it is, is constant re-examining. And you said like, you're the the least self-compassionate person, but I think you probably are more compassionate for yourself than, than you give yourself credit for, because you, you do so much introspection. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't opt for the thing that's going to serve us the most, even if we're the most mm. self-aware and there's like sometimes being too self-aware is, is not the greatest for us. But for me, having now the knowledge to, to stop and examine the thought versus just going with it, even if Mm -hmm. I still go Mm -hmm. down that other pathway eventually, like it's just, all you can ask for is that pause, that moment Mm -hmm. to reflect before the action. Yeah. The speed bump instead of going straight down the roller coaster. Yeah. This is, I think maybe like the last thing, but I just am not Like I'm committed to healing, feeling good. I feel like so much of the wellness space talks about healing yourself and, you know, leveling up and blah, 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 being a painful, arduous process. Mm. And I'm just like not about that life. Like, yeah, I'm cool with discomfort. Like discomfort's normal. Discomfort is what happens when we're growing. But like, I don't have to have everything be a dark night of the soul. It doesn't have to be so dramatic all the time. Like, why can't my healing process also be really fucking fun Mm -hmm. and, dare I say, enjoyable? Like, why can't it be that way? That's one of my pet peeves in the wellness space is like, everything is hard. Shadow work's hard. Inner child work is so hard. It's so painful, but it's worth it. It's like, again, this is all about getting to the – this is centering the destination as opposed to like the experience of being and like going through and learning and evolving. And so much of the experience is the evolution. It's not where you end up. It's all about the evolution. So why can't we focus on making that something that we find pleasure in? Yeah, totally. I think part of that is that wellness as we know it exists within – capitalism. And so much of what I talk about with clients is like, oh, I don't have time to foam roll and meditate and drink green juice. And like, like so overwhelmed. And I, I self-care is too much. It's too much. Yeah. And I, I feel that hard. Cause there's like, you know, it's on one hand, so fun to experiment with all these different things. I geek out on like tinctures and potions and supplements. Oh, like yeah. that's hard same. fun yeah. to experiment with, but it is very easy to go the other way into obsession and restriction and not actually enjoying that experimentation. And it's because we're all like hustling to be healed as if it's somewhere mm-hmm. that we can when get to. And it's, I'd argue like for the, for even worse for feminine energy, because it's turning that off. And then in a sense, turning off your intuition and something, a conversation I have with clients all the time is like, well, what do you mean tune into your body? Like, how do I know what signals you're talking about? <laughs> What's it supposed to be saying? Just spell it out for me. What is it supposed to be telling me, Helen? <laughs> it's, it's just because it's not, that's not how we're conditioned to have a relationship with our body or health in general. So basically relax. It'll happen. It'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Which when you're in the middle of it, it feels like the most oh, rude yeah. advice ever. <laughs> I can relate to that, but also that is, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm not any further along 
than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, though. I'm super sus of people who are like, I'm healed. I'm good. You know, like, what? No, I want, I don't know. Maybe that's just my personality, but I want to be around people who are always moving, you know, who are like constantly learning and constantly evolving and honestly, like willing to be wrong and have the ego check of being like, you know what? I used to teach people in this way. I'm not going to say that anymore because my thoughts have changed and I've changed. I think that's so much cooler than someone being like, I have all the answers and I have no mentors. I have no teachers. I'm (laughs) just me. Like this comes from my brain. I created this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm so like suspect of that. Well, that, and I could, please cut me off because I could talk literally forever. But that whole thing that just (laughs) happened with with Lizzo too. And the, I don't know if you're familiar with, with what she posted in her stories about the detox that she was doing. And like, yeah, I'm not down with the detox, but the fact that we would approach, we would attack someone, the the phrase attack the dieter and not the diet Mm -hmm. industry, the diet culture. Of course Mm -hmm. she feels pressure to fit in. Like, of course Mm -hmm. she feels pressure to, to buy and, and consume wellness in that, in that capitalist way. Not, not that I, you know, deem to presume what is going through her mind, but just speaking from the way that I experience that, you know, that urge when you see an ad for something and you're like, oh, if I get that, I'll be, I'll be better. And then you have to Mm. unpack it. But I never, ever blame or shame a client who's like, okay, well, I really want to lose those last three pounds. Like your mom said, or I really, you know, what does that mean? Girls quote, the mean girls quote is I just want to lose five pounds. (laughs) It's, It's just so human. And there's nothing wrong with you for wanting that. And movement can change your body. I'm not saying that it it can't. It's just not something that I choose to promote in my classes because I think it's really distracting from the intuition and and building a positive relationship with movement. So don't add double shame onto something that's already making you feel bad by feeling like you're not doing it right. Yeah. And it's like that idea of when you know better, you do better. When we've been inculcated into a patriarchal, capitalistic, white supremacist culture, Mm -hmm. which is what we live in now, that's the norm. So all of those – and also like thinness is directly tied to white supremacy. So like go Google it if you want to dive deeper on that. Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings is a very good, very good book on that. Yeah. But – when we've been grown up with that as the norm where everyone says everything around us is telling us that's the truth. And then you come to learn that that actually isn't the truth. It's not your job to like look back and be ashamed and upset at yourself for everything that you missed, even though we kind of joked about that. It's your job to do better moving forward and Mm -hmm. to try your best moving forward and not beat yourself up about it. Just, just be better. And that's it. And it's okay if you mess up. Totally. Yes. (laughs) I feel like Helen, you should have a podcast because this stuff, like it is endless. It is, it is endless. There are so many rabbit holes that we could like, we could jump and dive down. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) And it's ever present. Like it's not, again, it's not something that you're just like, okay, cool. Check that off my list. I'm good with my body. But I think body neutrality is such an interesting concept to like hold in our minds and even getting away from body positivity or body negativity, which again are binaries, right? And just, we are, we have Mm -hmm. bodies. I have hair. I have face. There's so much there. So I propose that you start a podcast. (laughs) I have thought about (laughs) it before. I'm yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. And you also are always spitting wisdom on Instagram. So how can people find you on, on IG? 
So my Instagram name is Helen V. Phelan. V is in Victoria, right there in the middle. And then, yeah, my website is HelenFeelanStudio.com where you can find the access to the online studio. I also write a blog called the Feelin' Well Journal. So, <laughs> honestly, you're, you can't get rid of your last name. <laughs> oh, like, I'm not. I'm hyphenating, you, yeah. <laughs> me too don't worry <laughs> yeah your name their last name is truly the best your name is written out it sparks joy it's oh, so thank good you. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you for not assuming uh-huh. that my name rhymes because when people say helen felon my mom gets so mad did she not think of that when she named you guess h helen victoria Phelan. guess what monogrammed pillow i have in my childhood bedroom no yeah. You giant, don't have HPV pillow. H- I do have an HPV <laughs> pillow. She was not thinking ahead. So it's fine. <laughs> oh, mom, that's really cute. <laughs> it wasn't a thing apparently in 1991. So we'll give her that pass. But. <laughs> oh boy. Parents got to love them. <laughs> yes. I also have a free little guide to of five steps to help you stop using exercise as punishment and learn to love and enjoy your movement practice that we're going to link below too. But that's also available on our website. Yeah. You can grab that at the link in the bio and I'm sure it's amazing. God. Oh, it just changes your whole life when you stop living to punish yourself Mm -hmm. for being who you are and you start just being. It opens up the whole world. Everything changes in your life. Like truly everything changes. It's not just your relationship to your body. It's like how you can love others, how you can show up for the world. Like if you're trying to be small and perfect and acceptable, you cut off so much of yourself and your gifts and why you're here. And it's all connected to your point. It's all connected. Like if we can show up as fully as humanly possible, to our, our relationship to our bodies, then like maybe we can do that with the work that we're here, that we're meant to do, that we decided to do when our, our souls landed in these little bodies. So anyways, that's my my sermon. I'm done. That's my TED Talk. I'm into it. I'm into it. You, you should do a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd have me, but it's okay. I have a podcast. <laughs> it's your own, yeah, your own TED Talk each week. <laughs> well, thanks, Helen. It was so good talking to you. Thank you for having me. I'm super geeked out to to do this. I can't wait to hear it come out. It's going to be so good. And that's our podcast. You can go follow Helen at all the links in our show notes. And of course, you can send us your ideas and your feedback. Just shoot us a text at the message in our show notes too. (laughs) It's all there. And it means the world to us when you rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. I know that everyone says that and everyone also says this, everyone says that, but it's true. There are very few ways, weirdly, to share this type of content despite how popular podcasts are. And giving us a rating, sharing us with your friends, even if it's just one person, it means so much. It really helps us get found by other people and we wanted to make this free resource, this free podcast to help more people get access to wellness and well-being and concepts and ideas around intuitive business and intuition and all the things. So the more people, the better. We so appreciate you for listening and for getting all the way through this episode. All right. With that, I will see you on the internet. Bye. Bye.